the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And then they realized that they had been with Jesus. What a Bible verse. That Bible verse is Acts 4, 13. And from that Bible verse, we'd see Peter and John do so many things and carry the gospel. What a name is Jesus. Are you have you been with Jesus? Alex McFarland, Bert Harper here, and it's good to be back with you again. And I was off all last week. I was at the Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans, yeah. Louisiana. Alex, you had to leave and fly out west, and I'm telling you, it's good to be back together again, brother. Well, it really is, and we want to say thank you to Jim Stanley for helping out several days that you were traveling. And Bert, I appreciate you going to the Southern Baptist Convention and you broadcast from there, and you attended meetings, and uh, I, a lot of people were praying. You know, it was interesting. Uh, we had a call that somebody from another denomination, but a fellow brother in the Lord said, we're praying for the Baptists as they carry out their business. And Bert, I just had a meeting with a, a, a Methodist pastor uh, just an hour ago, and he said it all boils down to trying to persuade people to stand with the Word of God. Amen. That's and, a great way to put it, with the Word of God. Amen, Alex. Amen. Well, and that's all of us. Let me say, individually, our church, uh, any organizations, a Christian ministry must stand for and with the Word of God, and we do, and many people across this country do. And so appreciate you being down there. Appreciate Jim Stanley, and I appreciate the prayers as I went to the West Coast for a couple of days of, of ministry. And uh, did you preach yesterday? I did. I've been at Auburn Baptist Church here in northeast Mississippi for about 14 months now as their interim pastor, and uh, just preaching there each Sunday and enjoying it, and uh, have have people ever so often, they'll come and visit, said, I heard it on the radio, we came by to check on you, so we're glad to hear that. How about you, Alex? Did you get back? from the West Coast to preach there in the East? Yes, I was in North Carolina at a wonderful church called Crossroad Baptist Church. I was there for two consecutive Sundays. This Sunday, I have the privilege, I will be at the church from which I broadcast. Uh, There's a wonderful church called Southside Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, A friend of 25 years, Pastor Howard McNeil, he gives our ministry office space as kind of a contribution and I do Exploring the Word from here. I do interviews, and uh, there's another uh, TV program that we do from here called Truth and Liberty. And so I will be 10 a.m. Southside Baptist Church in Greensboro if anybody listening happens to be in the Greensboro area. One more thing, and then I want to get to Acts 4. But um, we're coming up. I'm speaking in a camp the first week of July, but then... July 7 through 9, The Cove. And there, there is still time for you to register Western North Carolina, Asheville, the beautiful, beautiful Billy Graham Conference Center. And I'll be there uh, July 7 through 9 teaching through Second Peter. The theme is Thriving Till He Comes. Amen. Jesus is coming. 
and we can bear fruit and thrive till we see him. And so the website is thecove.org. If you want to sign up and come to The Cove, I would love to meet you when I'm there, July 7 through 9. Well, amen, Alex. I, I say this every time you go to The Cove, you'll get a double blessing. One, hearing Alex, what a blessing that is. And I say that knowing that, but also the just the blessing at being at The Cove. It's a special place that seems like God's Holy Spirit just uh, anointed that place, hovered over that place, and you feel the, uh, his spirit strong when you walk on or drive on to that campus, and so I hope it goes great. Well, Alex, again, we introduced this, verse 13. Uh, here at Peter and John, when it says uneducated and untrained, completely different than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle right. Paul had sat under the feet of Gamaliel. These were fishermen. And these people who were so-called educated of their day, they just could not figure this out, how they could speak so strongly, so accurately, so confidently, but it was easy that they had been with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus and you spend time with him, I, I think people take notice. What about you? Oh, absolutely. Let me say this. When you've been with the Lord, people know it. Uh, you just... As Elmer Towns said, you you carry the Holy Spirit about you. Amen. You know? Yeah. Um, the other thing, though, not just your person and your demeanor, but the the way that you proclaim the Word of God, uh, just to say, well, the Bible says. And do you know whether it's a Christian, a church, a ministry, a denomination, the the favor and the fruit and the anointing of God is directly proportional to the degree of reverence and obedience you have for Scripture. Amen, Alex. I I mean, really. uh, You know, we've got to stand, as we said, with the Word of God. And when in Acts 4, you know, 13 there, says that the people took knowledge. In other words, it was unmistakable. It was undeniable. It's like when Galatians 5 says, the fruits of the Spirit are this, this, and this, against such there is no law which really means you can't argue with it. I mean, there is something very self-authenticating about the proclamation of the Word of God. Amen. I want to quote two people. Uh, We do that. I think that's a good way for us to come back. Billy Graham, when he would be interviewed, I don't care if he was uh, on The Tonight Show, and he would go on The Tonight Show and talk to Johnny Carson way back then. He'd be with Larry King on CNN, or he would be anywhere— and when they'd call us, he'd say, the Bible says. When he was preaching, he would say, the Bible says. Stand with and for and on the Bible. That's what it is. The other person that I'd want to would say is, is what uh, Adrian Rogers said. Dr. Rogers would say, and you're talking about being with Jesus. He said, when we've been with Jesus, we will be supernatural naturally and naturally supernatural. In other Mm. words, the the Holy Spirit in us is supernatural. You can look at it any way you can, but the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in a believer, it's called the indwelling Holy Spirit. He indwells us, and Jesus said, I've done great things, but he said, when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, you're going to do greater things. And so here we find this in verse 13 and following, the great things that they were done. And verse 14 is the evidence of some of that. And yeah. seeing the man who had been healed standing with him, they could say nothing against it. Uh, if you have those people who are listening, if you got your Bibles out, <laughs> underline that. 
they could say nothing against it. Uh, today, when they can't say anything against uh, somebody, they'll make it up. They'll say our truth, and they will go any way but right. But here, when but when they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, now listen to this, what shall we do with these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them, is evident in all who dwell in Jerusalem. But so that it spreads no further among this people, let us severely threaten them that they from now on speak no man to no man in this name. Mm. Alex, they could not deny truth. They could not deny the evidence. And, and I want right. to just share with you, I think we're standing on that today. The Word of God is real, and we're, we're standing on the evidence of changed lives, ministries that have changed the world, and are still changing the world, brother. Uh, well, amen, amen. And I, I've got to read a scripture, and let me just say this, folks. Um, this insight, uh, this discernment, for lack of a better word, wisdom, um, it's not just intellect, but it's wisdom. It's available to each and every believer. Uh, education is a fine thing. Go out there, earn a degree. That's a fine thing. But, you know, I've met people with multiple degrees hanging on the wall that were just as dense as a doorknob. Yes. And I've, on the other hand, I've met people that had no formal education, but they were wise because listen to Psalm 119, 99 through 101. Now listen. The psalmist says, quote, I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I've refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. Now just hang with me, folks. Psalm 119, 99 through 101. Three different words that refer to Scripture. God's testimonies, God's precepts, and God's word. J.P. Moreland out at Biola, he was one of my professors at Liberty, brilliant guy, a world-renowned Christian thinker, and he says meditating on the Word of God probably even increases your IQ points because he says God's Word is truth, and truth is good for your brain, right? So here's the thing, um, and and I, I have huge respect for education. I do, but... I'm going to tell you, like William Lyon Phelps said, I think he was president of Yale at one time, the, the best education is a Bible education. And just like the disciples there in Acts 4, that the people marveled because these, these men had the knowledge of God's Word. Bert, that, that's available to every believer, isn't it? It really is. And yesterday being Father's Day, I want to say a word concerning my father, John Maurice Harper, uh, listen, he did not have but a 10th grade education, but he continued to read. He continued to inquire, but he loved the Word of God. When he died, I got a whole, I got his last Bible, and I saw all the things he had underlined, all the notes he had made, and, and it made him a wise man. And, and again, that's the power of the Word of God. James says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and upbraideth not. It, it keeps you humble. Knowing the Word of God as your source and the Holy Spirit as your guide, it should humble you, but at the same time make you wise. Alex, now what, lot, what happens, worldly wisdom in place of making you humble, it makes a person proud. 
You know, look mm. at all the degrees I have. Look at all this. No, but the, the wisdom you get from God, the guidance you get from the Holy Spirit humbles you to know this is from God. He has made it available to me. He's let it come into my life, and I've applied it to my life through his power and through his strength. Alex, that combination of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives through the Word of God brings humility, which brings this. It says, in due time, God will lift you up. Humble yourself in the sight of God, and he will exalt you. That is the power of the Word of God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Well, it really is, folks. And we're going to come back and uh, we're going to hear in verse 19 of Acts 4 what Peter says. And uh, that ought to be our motto, that we can't help but speak and proclaim the truth of Jesus. Well, this is Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Stay tuned. We're going to come back after a brief break and get more of Acts 4 plus your calls. Don't go away. In Acts 4, verse 20, Peter says this, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, when you've met Jesus and you know the Scriptures, you can't keep quiet about it. You've got to share it. Well, welcome back to Exploring the Word, Alex and Bert. So honored that you're listening. And the number is 888-589-8840. Jot that number down, and if you've got a Bible question, We'll get to Bible questions here in just a few minutes. But, Bert, um, just to backtrack a little bit, the the leaders basically said, be quiet, you know, um, so that it spreads no further, let us threaten them. Right away, we're going to—this is verse 17 of Acts 4—we're going to threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in, in this name. They wouldn't even say it, in Jesus' name. And they called them and they commanded them. So they get threatened— they get bossed, but Peter and John answered and says, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, uh, judge ye. In other words, you're going to have to figure out, but we cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. Bert, here's my question cancel culture it's not new it goes way back doesn't it It really does and their response is the response we should still have today and that is we cannot but speak the things which you have seen and heard even in countries that are very much worse than the united states concerning controlling speech those christians they're still sharing. Now, some of them, they can't do it on the airways the way we do. They they will be arrested. They cannot go out into a public place and do that. But they're still speaking the name of Jesus. In the last five years, there's more been Christians in Iran than any other country. They've come to Christ because they saw the weakness and the fallacy of Islam, and they knew the hope that when they heard about the hope that's in Christ, and they couldn't uh, keep it out of Iran because of the Internet and all the people having access. So thousands and thousands have come to Christ following him. And it's happening in other places as well. 
And so sometimes, and, and it, it, I understand discouragement. I really do. But while this is going on here in America, I want to just tell you, God is not silent. God has his people at those places that Jesus Christ might be heard and seen. One more thing I want to say before we throw it back to you, Alex, and that is, notice, Peter and John answered. Now, again, this is the two men, those two men that, I mean, Peter and John, they were the closest to Jesus uh, than any two. They were beside him so many times, and, and here it is. They respond correctly. We're talking about Peter, who was probably possibly older, John, who was probably the youngest. At least he lived a long time, and I, I do believe that. Here it, they stand together. Now, Alex, I think there's that that helps us, and that is standing together and being together and encouraging one another, accountability to one another. And so here, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, we'll let you judge, but we've already judged it. We are going to speak the things that we've seen and heard. That should be our determination in 2023, Alex. Amen. Amen. Well, there's in Acts 4 a beautiful prayer. I, I really believe this is very uh, powering, uh, empowering. So the, the man was above 40 years old who had been healed. And being let go, they went to their own company. So the they uh, is, uh, well, Peter and John they go to the disciples and they report all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that, so, Bert, it's a little ambiguous here, but Peter and John go and tell the other believers what has gone on, right? And when they, verse 24, heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, so I'm, I'm believing this is like a corporate prayer here. Yeah. It's very, uh, before I read this, or am I, am I on the right track? You are right on, notice, with one accord. And you'll yes. find that are similar words spoken again and again in this passage of Scripture. And again, I agree with you, Alex. So go ahead, and this is it. And again, what does he do? He brings up the promises of the Old Testament into the modern day of where they were living and saying, our God has not changed. He did it then. He does it now. And we can say that about Peter and John. He did it then. He did it in Psalms. And he can do it now, and we still need to do it. So, Alex, read that, if you would, verses 24 through the end of 26. And remember, he, they're quoting Psalm 2, verses 1 through 2. Amen. This is the church in prayer. Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, his anointed one. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all thy boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. Now, Bert, Amen. <laughs> uh, let me just say, I've been in many wonderful churches where um, the pastor will pray, 
and they'll say, Lord, as you taught us to pray, and then in unison, the church will recite maybe the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Or maybe in churches, almost as a prayer uh, in the worship service, they'll recite the Apostles' Creed. And I, I think this is very powerful uh, so, because you've got truths here. Um, Jesus, the anointed Son of God, who has been raised from the dead, the, the people stood against, but uh, God's word still stands and Christ is risen. Um, Bert, there's something very powerful when the church prays with one heart and one voice. And it's not contrived, and it's not, you know, just going through the motions. Um, this is like, they're, they're stating Christian truth claims as a prayer in unity, and I think that's a powerful aspect of uh, uh, any worship service, don't you? I agree, Alex. That That is powerful. I, I would let me make sure everybody gets this. If you turn to Psalm 2, verses 1 through 2, the last part of that in verse 2 will say against the Lord and against his anointed. Christ mm-hmm. is the anointed one. That is the, the Greek language, kiros, for that, the anointed one. And notice the, he, they use that word again in verse 27, you, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, okay, uses that word. Now notice what they do in verse 29. What got them into trouble? speaking the name and the word of Jesus Christ boldly, that which got them into trouble, guess what they did? They prayed for power to keep on doing it. Verse 29, (laughs) grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word. That which got them into trouble, they didn't run away from it. They did not deny it. They did not try to hide. They said, Lord, may we keep on doing it. Alex, uh, no wonder they couldn't keep these men quiet. They were standing for the truth of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, and they had been anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. Now, this is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times to a little servant girl, and now he is standing before the most powerful Jewish group uh, backed up by the Roman government and saying, we can't help but speak of the things that we've seen and heard. And then when they pray, they say, he says, Lord, we want to keep on doing it. Alex, I think there's something about the power of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Well, absolutely. And this is amazing. In verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Now, uh, we can we need to talk about this, but first of all, let's talk about the place being shaken. <laughs> Vance Havner, that we quote a lot, a great leader of times past, but Vance Havner said, uh, too many Christians are shaky on what they believe, and they're not shaken by what they believe. Uh, Now, we don't want to be shaky. We're firm. We know Christ. He's risen. The Bible is God's Word. But the truth should shake us. The presence of God should shake us. And, hey, I've been in some places, and Bert, you know it, when the Spirit of the Lord is in the room, I mean, there's just a different atmosphere, isn't it? There really is, and and I've been there, and 
I've I've had to preach through struggles when the Holy Spirit was being hindered. But mm. then I've preached in places where the Holy Spirit was having free reign. And, and I, I just want to tell you, it's the same Spirit, but when you release God's Spirit into your life, every chamber of your life, nothing is hidden. He has the key to every area of your life. And you open that up, I want to tell you it's something and when a group of people do that, Alex, here they are. You've said it. This multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. That is something. If we could do that, if when we experience that. Now, again, did it happen every time they gathered? No, it did not. But when this happens and the Holy Spirit of God is having this free reign, what happened? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They spake the word of God. How? with boldness. Amen. There was a time in my life where I said, God, I want all of you that you can give me. I read your word. I want your Holy Spirit in my life to take every chamber of my life. I was at the altar. It was on a Monday after a Sunday that was very difficult. It was very young in my life. And I asked God's Holy Spirit just to do a great work in my life. After he did that work, I got up. And what I did, I went out and found people to witness to to speak the word yes. of God boldly. What happens when the Holy Spirit fills our life? The greatest evidence is a changed life and the word of God being spake, spoken through our lives with boldness, courageousness, and love. And this is exactly what happens. And I, this is the model. Listen, in place of, I'm, I'm not condemning anyone speaking in tongues. Don't, don't you hear me say anything. But I am telling you, what is needed more through the filling of the Holy Spirit of God in our life is the fruit of the Spirit being evident in our life and the Word of God being spoken in our life with boldness. When we do those two, I know I'm preaching right now. Brent's Come over on. there smiling at me. But anyway, I, I will just tell you, Alex, those two things combined, what lives will be changed, brother. Amen. Amen. That That is beautiful. And there is something, I've said it so many times, and I'm not going to really belabor this point, but there is something incredibly powerful about unity in the body of Christ. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a Baptist, but i, I got to tell you, like today, uh, this Methodist pastor that I met with, and his congregation is leaving the United Methodist, and he was telling me that of, of those that are leaving uh, the numbers, like 5,000 churches, it's very underreported. He said it's many times more than right. that. It is. But we were having the most powerful fellowship, lifting up Jesus. And i got to tell you, folks, look, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, born-again, Spirit-filled Catholics— Forget about the denominational titles. I think we're in a point in our country's history where, look, if somebody believes in Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, who shed his blood to wash our sin away, the Bible is the Word of God, and the Bible is authoritative on salvation, morality, life. Listen, we are family, and when we get together and we pray together and we praise together Amen. and we witness— the just as the house was shaken by God's uh, presence, 
how about we sh- see our nation shaken? It can happen again. Amen, and, Alex. Amen. And it must. Amen. Alex, N- that is true, brother. And you're talking about the United Methodist. They are going, most of them are going with the global Methodist church. Yeah, indeed, and, indeed. And it is predicted by the end of this year, there may be close to 8,000 and more. I was talking to some leaders in that, and they're looking at what God is doing, and they're standing on the Word of God. It doesn't mean we have to dot every I and cross every T just exactly right concerning baptism, concerning uh, what people call once saved, always saved. Hey, the main thing is make sure you're saved. Just leave it at that. Make sure you're saved and following Christ. And when we do this together, I want to just tell you, um, it's humbling. You and I have talked about it. When two or three churches get together and do something together in place of one church saying, we're going to do it our way, that shows humility. And and God honors that. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And that's, yes. that's why I said the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God in our lives brings humility. So, Alex, I love that. And listen to verse 33. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And listen to this word. And great grace was upon them. Uh, you know, Luke couldn't just say grace was upon them. <laughs> he had to great put that grace. at great grace. Isn't God's grace, grace great and amazing? <laughs> well, it really is. It really is. By the way, I just want to say this, and I, I have written articles on this. Verse 32 is not communism. Amen. It says that they had all things in common. Look, it was voluntary it was for God. Marxism is inherently atheistic. It's compulsory and forced, not voluntary. So don't ever let anybody try to tell you that Acts 4.32 is an argument for socialism. Preach it, brother. Is Amen. It is, community. it is community, but not communism. Amen. Right. Hey, What's that your number? phone calls, 888-589-8840. Call us. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I know the answer to every question, the one solution to every fear. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is Bert and Alex, and it's Monday, and we start off Monday. We're in the book of Acts, chapter 4, looking forward to continuing in it. And uh, again, last week, we want to say thanks to Jim Stanley as he uh, sat in for me as I was away at the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and Alex, we appreciate Jim so much and how he oh, does that. Goodness. And you were, in, you were in California. I was in Louisiana, and Brent, our producer, was in Missouri. So, man, we went everywhere. And we did. Uh, <laughs> so it was good to do that and have you back. Let me give you a word concerning the, the Southern Baptist Convention because I gave the report it was a, I, I went there with really wondering which direction, what we would be, but I came back with greater hope and, and greater appreciation because we're standing by and large on the Word of God. There's a few areas that we could improve on, and who, who, I guess most denominations, most churches, most families, and I know Bert Harper and Alex McFarlane and and Brent Austin, there's areas in our life we could improve on as well. But Always, uh, but yes. I came back realizing, amen, it's good. And why is the Southern Baptist so important? Well, it's the largest evangelical uh, denomination in the United States. We're worldwide when it comes to missions. And uh, so, Alex, it is an important thing, and that's the reason. I know you and I are both Southern Baptists and uh, thankful that God's let us go through some 
things through the Southern Baptist, but we thank God. And I wanted to give that report, but we do have Amen. people that's called in. Are you ready to go to the phone lines? That's right. 888-589-8840. We are so thankful for your questions and your participation on Exploring the Word. Okay. First, we go to Ohio and talk to Susan. Welcome, Susan. Hi. Thanks. Yeah, um, I appreciate listening to you, and I'm, I'm just asking... Um, our church is recently um, teaching out of a book called The Unseen Realm, and I don't know if either of you are familiar with it, but essentially um, it's teaching, I guess you'd call it the gap three between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 um, about other gods. And um, I haven't read the book, but it's, I guess, that God somehow during that supposed time gave up power, you know, I think geographically to these lesser gods. Does that sound familiar? Does that book sound familiar? Have you ever heard this before? Alex, you're the one that keeps up with more things like that than I do. Have you heard of the Unseen Realm? Um, Yes, it's a book by a guy named Michael Heiser. Um, Let me just say this. Um, There's an old saying that Norm Geisler used to always throw out. He said, one book I read to believe— all other books I read to consider. Um, this is a book. It's in, I, I, here's the good part about it. This book is encouraging people to consider the supernatural, the the part of the supernatural, uh, angels, demons, spiritual warfare, things like that. And to the degree that I do think the church needs to get reacquainted with the dynamics of the supernatural, prayer, spiritual warfare. That's good. Uh, but there are um, other things that, that I don't agree with. I don't agree with the gap theory because the, the idea that there's millions of years between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, um, that's really not a hermeneutically defensible position, meaning uh, you'd never get that from the text itself. You only get the gap theory as an attempt to somehow harmonize Christianity with Darwinism. And Bert, I I don't feel like we have to harmonize Christianity with anything, you know. Amen. I think we Preach take it, the, you know what I mean. We do. So um, there there is some good in that book, but I would say just um, here's how we say it down south: eat the chicken and spit out the bones. <laughs> Amen. Hey, that number we've got lines open is triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. Let me say a word about spiritual warfare, and, and I want to say this. I've early on in my life, I looked at the word of God and I saw that and I, I wanted to be ready because we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We realize that he has set traps for people and we realize that, but I want to just tell you, let me give a warning out there. Do not give more attention to Satan and how he operates than Jesus and what he has done and what he is doing. And, and I found that out quickly, Alex, that I need to make much of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean I don't equip people to be able to pray strongly, to depend on the Holy Spirit and realize that. But I am telling you, if you, if you go too far in mentioning Satan and all the things he does and not make Jesus the centerpiece of what you're teaching and what you're preaching— you're probably going up the wrong stream. I, that's mm-hmm. that's as good as plain as I can say it. That doesn't mean you don't go there. Uh, I believe you should go there. But anyway, Susan, we thank you for calling. 
Let's go to Pennsylvania and talk to Jerome. Welcome, Jerome. Hi, Bert. Yes, thank you Alex. for calling. Yes. See, I have a question concerning healing in the scriptures. Uh, it says when the uh, disciples went out, they uh, laid hands on, they healed. Um, people came to them and were healed. My question is, why is it that the Christians today can't lay hands on and people are healed as they were back in the day? Okay, Jerome, thank you. Good question. Alex, let me give you this. I've seen some people healed. And yes. uh, let me give you an example. In our church where I was pastor a long time, we had a lady that had a severe, severe, and it was considered uncurable. We call elders of the church. We called them deacons in a Baptist church. I anointed her with oil. I'd never done that before. I didn't know you just put a little on her, so I put a whole lot of olive oil on her. Uh -huh. Head and had a towel, and each man came by and prayed. And I want to tell you, she was miraculously healed. So, Jerome, healing still takes place. But let me say this, and I'll throw it to you, Alex. I do believe if you'll look at the Bible, you will see that most of the healings in the Old Testament even and in the New Testament comes in groups surrounding something. And most of the time, it was what I would call uh, uh, introduction to Judaism. There in chapter 10, it is the Holy Spirit in in Samaria. In chapter 19, it's Ephesus and the speaking tongues and gifts. Now, I still believe healing takes place, but I believe the group and the large majority of them coming, Alex, is taken in those places, what I call frontier areas, where the Word of God is going. How would you respond? Well, yeah, it's it's interesting. I've, I've known Christians that um, believed God always, always heals. And then I was on a show about a month ago with a, a pretty well-known Christian leader who said God doesn't heal anymore. And I, I disagree with that. I do uh, God does heal. And I think the Bible has a lot to say about this. You know, James 5 says, you know, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil, as, as you said. All right, here, here's the thing. I do think the church has the command and the liberty to lay hands on and pray, but God reserves the right to be sovereign. I, look, if there's anybody ever that I think is as godly a human as you'll ever meet, it's Johnny Erickson Tata. And you know what? She was paralyzed in an accident, and they prayed, they anointed with oil, and she's paralyzed to this day. But she would be the first to tell you that that's been her platform to minister. So, um, you know, I do believe in Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 that says, by his stripes we are healed. That is true. In the atonement, we have not only salvation, healing, and glorification. The only thing is, where is it going to happen? This side of eternity? Bert, every Christian does get healed. They do. But for some, it's in heaven, Amen. in glory, and some... But I still believe, because one last thing, uh, and I don't mean to open up a can of worms, but uh, Matthew nine twenty nine, Jesus said, according to your faith, it shall be unto you. Now, please don't think that, well, if I had had more faith, I would have gotten healed. I think by looking unto Jesus shows that we have faith, but he, as a sovereign God, reserves the right to make the final 
decision. Am I right? Bill? You are exactly right. Let me give you this, and we'll go to the next caller. In the book of Hebrews, it gives you a whole list. These are all the people in what we call the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews 11. And I just want to pick one out. It says, he stopped the mouths of lions. We know that's Daniel. By faith, he did that. But guess what happened in verse 35 and following? It said in others. These are the others of the same kind that had the same amount of faith. One of them says, and it has made it plain, and it was in verse 37, they were sown in two, sawed in two, mm. and it put them in a hollow log. And that's probably Isaiah. That's Most folks think that's how Isaiah died, yeah. was being yeah. put in a hollow log. The same faith that delivered some, that same faith saw them through the difficulty. That's the idea. And I preached on this yesterday at Auburn Baptist Church about God's grace and God's faith. Sometimes God's grace delivers us from, and sometimes his grace sees us through. And, and that's the whole, it's the same faith. And the whole idea, if I, my faith is in God, Alex, it's up to him to decide which one. I trust yeah. him completely. I hope that yeah. helps you, Jerome. Uh, we hope that blesses you. Let's go to Tommy in Oklahoma. Welcome, Tommy. Yeah, guys, I got a uh, comment as far as the gap theory goes. Yes, sir. Um, Not everybody who, you know, kind of leans that way would would, uh, agree with evolution. I mean, I can see the possibility of the gap theory and not at all adhere to evolution in any way. And I got a couple questions for you guys. Do you believe that God is perfect? Sure. By definition, there's yes. no sin. Complete, or perfect in every in way. Perfect in every way. Do you believe that everything he does is perfect? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Then how do you explain that the world was without form and void? That's not perfection. Um, well, l- let me say this. The It doesn't mean that there was any deficiency or uh, problem with his creation. It really means, literally, and this is how the Living Bible says, a shapeless, chaotic mass. In other words, it's like the uh, raw materials at a building site. Uh, you've got two-by-fours and bricks and drywall. It's not a house yet. But he, here's the thing. The material was there, right, Alex? Yeah, I- exactly. He spoke in for six days, and I absolutely do believe categorically believe in a literal six-day creation. Evening and morning were the first day. Uh, but, but here is the problem with the gap theory. There would have been death before the fall. There's, regardless of whatever you say about anything else, the, the hundreds of thousands or millions or billions of years before um, Adam and Eve and Genesis 3, there would have been death before the fall. And here's the thing, Romans 5.14 says, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Uh, well, if there was no death before Adam. And so if there was a gap between Genesis 1.1 and Genesis 1.2, and I'm, I mean, I'm glossing over so many other issues that are raised, not the least of which is the fact that, look, you read the Genesis creation in Genesis 1 and 2, and you get, I mean, clearly the text says that God created in six days. 
but Bert, there was no death before the fall. That's the and biggest issue, and I've we've it, gone it over really this, is. and yeah, and so Tommy, I understand, you know, the evolution's been poured into us, but and I know you said that doesn't necessarily bring in evolution, but it brings in life and it brings in death before creation. That's the whole issue, and yeah. so thank you for your call. Thank you for your comment, brother. Let's go yeah. to Louisiana and talk to Daniel. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, um, Alex and Bert. Hey, I was, uh, I think I had asked you this question before, but I wanted to know, but I didn't take notes on it, so maybe the, this time I'll take notes. I was going to ask you about discipleship. How, how do we disciple believers under the new covenant? Okay, good question. Let me just, we hadn't got a lot of time, so I'm going to make a statement. Jesus did this. Jesus is the supreme disciple maker. He did it by letting those men spend a lot of time with him in two things he did. He demonstrated and he taught discipleship. No matter where you are, how you're doing it, it's got to be demonstrated by the person that is doing the discipling, and it's got to be taught to that person who is receiving it. Alex, make your comments, brother. Well, discipleship is life-on-life transference. I mean, it, it really is making disciples. And I'm, I'm glad you asked about this because, Bert, um, the, the key ingredient is T-I-M-E, isn't it? It is. It is. And, and it takes time. And you know, it's such a beautiful thing. Yes, part of making disciples is Scripture and Bible study. But um, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Okay, 2 Timothy 2. Uh, Paul says this, uh, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. What you have heard from me and in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Amen. In other words, uh, pass it on. And there's a lot, it's not just the content that you're presenting, but it's the person. And Bert, we could always point to people, you know, I think about uh, he just went to heaven, Milton Ferguson, who I would do visitation with. I think about Mark uh, Sink. I did his funeral last year. I think about Harold Wilmington. Uh, Bert, who were some of the names to All the people? Lowell they Johnson. They poured their life yeah, into they you. they did. Lowell Johnson, my pastor. <clears throat> James Travis, Dr. James Travis from Blue Mountain College. Bobby, Dr. Bobby Moore out of Memphis, Tennessee. These men poured their lives into me and Mm -hmm. i want to just tell you i'm passing it on and guess what those that have passed it on to they're passing it on it was so fun being at the southern baptist convention and seeing all these young preachers that i had been their pastor earlier and them coming by and say man we're we're staying with the stuff stay with the stuff stay with jesus we can't help but speak and share the things that we've seen and heard in christ jesus Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell someone about the program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.